Okay, I, I realize that last time I preached, it was right before you had a, a, a new minister coming. And now I get to preach right before New Year, so all my stuff seems to be about newness and change, and I apologize for that, because I know it's painful for a lot of people, but that is what we're stuck with today. I'm going to start right off. Israel, been in captivity in Egypt 400 years. They've been through cruelties that few of us could even imagine, even in our world today. They had built the homes and the temples and the tombs of their captors, at the cost of all their own blood, sweat, and tears. All right, you know how hard it is to work and work and work and think it's all for somebody else. That's what they'd been through for 400 years. And now God raises up this leader, Moses, for them, who is going to lead them to that one elusive thing that everybody thinks they really want, freedom. They followed God's instructions to the letter in preparing to leave Egypt. They were going to march out of there in the middle of the night and they were finally going to be free. Except while they're doing this, they see, what is that? I hear it. I can see it. Oh, that's the Egyptian army coming after us. We should never have left Egypt. Except when they got thirsty and they're out there in the desert, you know what? was bad being a slave in Egypt, but you know what we had? We had water. Sure wish we were back in Egypt again. And then when they got hungry, <laughs> we, man, it may have been bad back in Egypt, but at least we had food. And, and one of the scriptures that says back there, and, and if you don't know how hungry they were out in the desert, I think they had to be extremely hungry because two things it mentions specifically that we had back in Egypt. Cucumbers and leeks. Okay, I'd rather go hungry myself, okay? Said, <laughs> so, yeah, cucumbers and leeks. We had all those back in Egypt. That's how hungry they were. We wish we were back where we had all that stuff. Freedom's a great thing, but all those things, we need those things. So that's the question they had to ask, and it's the same question we got to ask, kind of like the video said. Are we going to choose to be slaves or choose to be free? Because that is really... Every year you go into the new year and, and you want to make changes. You've got great plans. And it really is the, it comes down to, am I going to continue to be a slave or am I going to be free? And they learned a valuable lesson. How long should the journey in the desert have taken? Not a trick question. No, how long should it have taken? Yeah, about three days, maybe a week. And guess what? Yeah, 40 years they wandered around. We talked in Sunday school this morning about, you know, somebody out there as they're walking around and says, you know, we've passed this rock about six times in the last 10 years. And, and, and you got, they had to know they were so close. And yet God said, no, it's not time. It's not ready. They learned a valuable lesson, and that valuable lesson is that freedom is a fantastic thing, but it is rarely, if ever, an easy thing. We are in that time of year, and we are all in our fits of optimism about the year ahead, and we're going to make great promises to ourselves, maybe even to others, about what we're going to do in this new year, <laughs> and then we're going to forget about that when. About the second week of January, okay, yeah. 
Second week of January. Yeah, it was a great, I was really ambitious a week ago, but now things, life hits you. I'm, I always ask to raise hands. That helps keep people awake. How many of you have ever made that diet resolution and didn't keep it? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. All right, that's good. How about this? Maybe you said, well, I changed my diet a little bit. Some people just say, well, I'm going to exercise more. Have you ever made that commitment? I'm going to exercise more and then not done it? Anybody ever done it? Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Okay. I want to talk to you about some commitments, resolutions, whatever you want to call them, uh, that can really make a difference. And these are ones that, you know, they're not going to be as easy to put aside because we see them coming right out of God's Word where he says, I want to challenge you people. By the way, that's, I like... I noticed that, that Craig does that, and I really liked it. It, it. In each sermon, there's a challenge. Here's what I'm challenging you to do. And, and th- that's what Scripture does. It's supposed to challenge you. And these come straight out of God's words. Going into the new year, three simple things that I think if we could all do, they would push us into a better year. And number one on that list is forget about your failures. Forget about your failures. And that's hard to do. How many of you have... A failure that came to your mind, as I said, a failure. All right, I see a bunch of hands. All right, good deal. We're all failures. We're all in the same boat. We are. We're all in the same boat. Everybody's that way. And thousands of years ago, Paul gave this advice. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, he said, Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, big thing I want to tell you about that before, because I know a lot of people say, how can I forget? How can I forget? How can I forget? That word, in in the language that it was written in, is not our word forget, okay? It's not where, oop, I didn't even remember that. It's the kind of thing where, have you been with somebody and you did something wrong and they start bringing up every wrong you've ever done? That's what he's talking about. He says, don't bring it up. Do you know, anybody know those kind of people? Because you may find this hard to believe, but there are negative people in the world who just keep bringing up things, bad things, bad things, over and over and over. And that's what he's saying here when he says, forget, excuse me, when he says, forgetting what's behind, he said, you're not going to be able to forget it, but don't bring it up. Don't keep calling it to mind. Don't dwell on it over and over and over. Just go forward. Same thing we say, I've I've said just almost every sermon. It's very hard to move forward when you're looking backwards. You just can't do it safely. I press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It has stood the test of time since he said it. You do not have to live your life imprisoned by your past and your failures. All of us have failed in this past. Hey, who is willing to say you failed at something in the last 24 hours? Anybody want to say that? Because I could say I have. Okay. We all do that. Now, probably <laughs> you won't see those failures recorded on, for history on TV or anything. But it's in our heart, it's in our mind. It's something that just eats at us. And many people... You might have very, very painful, your, member, your failures are very, very painful memories. Baby, you remember how you failed in a relationship. 
Anybody ever failed in a relationship? And I don't mean it, that relationship is gone, but I mean, hey, I, I messed up in that relationship. Oh, okay? We all do that. It's not, you're not alone in any of this stuff. You made a wrong decision. Anybody ever made a wrong decision? Whew. Okay. Every day said the wrong thing. My, you know what? My big thing, sometimes I don't think it's so much that I say the wrong thing, but I say it at the wrong time. My timing is really bad. Okay? A little more serious, you might be a parent who's failed your child, and you know it. You might be a child who's failed your parents, and you know it. We've all failed in some kind of relationship one way or another. That's a big thing. That's one of the biggest things that eats at us is when our bond with other people is strained or broken because of our failures. God says, don't let that bog you down. Don't let all those failures which are past, which, by the way, if it's past, you shouldn't be dwelling on it. You don't, you don't go on, well, <laughs> you're usually not driving your car and drive past something and then, you know, miles and miles down the road, you're real stink. That was a really neat tree. You know, you're just, you get, you go, you're going forward, you're looking forward, you're trying to concentrate and do the right thing, going forward. Don't let those things bring you down. God has a great future for you, no matter how many failures you've made or you're going to make. There was a ball player, you all know him. Major league record for strikeouts. Yeah, Babe Ruth. But we don't think of the strikeouts. How many home runs did he have? There you go. Anybody know? I hear mumbling. 714? How many strikeouts? 1,316. He's holding the record, man. And that record is going to be there. He also had, by the way, he holds the record for five consecutive strikeouts in the World Series game. But we only think of that one good thing. This man was a failure in a lot of ways. But he did something right. And everyone remembers him for that. That can be us, folks. We can fail and fail and fail and fail. But let's get something right. And you got to concentrate on that right thing and keep moving forward. New Year's, good time of year for you to say to yourself, I'm going to stop torturing myself about what I did or I didn't do. I'm going to stop being chained to all those failures. God doesn't want you to go through your life branding yourself as a failure. And when you received Christ's forgiveness, it allows us, by the way, to forgive ourselves And to forget about those failures. Because if we hang on to them, he died for nothing. He didn't die for failures. He died for his, God's greatest creation, his masterpiece was us. And Christ died, especially for us Christians, for us to be recreated. I love that the scripture says we are a new creation. All those failures, all those weaknesses, gone. If we just let them be. Believe me. If God can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. Forget those failures. Number two, give up your grudges. This is a tough one, folks. Give up your grudges. I don't want you to raise your hands. 
Because a lot of people won't, I don't have any grudges. You do. I know it. You know it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Bear with each other and forgive each other whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever grievances. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is a challenge. God says, I'm challenging you. Give up your grudges. And what's a grudge? Well, a grudge, to the simple definition, is a deep, ongoing resentment that grows in our hearts against someone else. It's an unforgiving spirit that leads to unforgiving attitudes and unforgiving actions. I know you know what I'm talking about because most people have one or two grudges at least. Now, they might be little minor things. They might be, you know, I don't like, I don't know if you'd call it a grudge or not, but, but I think it kind of is when I think about it because do you have um, a person or maybe a, a, a group of people that when you think of them, you, your face just goes, mm. you just... I have that against the Vikings really badly. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can stand the bears, but ugh. it's an ongoing thing, and I don't know why. To, every time I just get angry when I hear about them. <sighs> but then there are the real ones that matter a lot. There are grudges in marriages. And I'm not talking about marriages that broke up. I'm talking about marriages that are ongoing and there's still a grudge there. So that wedge between a husband and a wife, driven in there by something they said or something they did that just can't give up. Grudges break up families. Imagine, you have this wonderful thing and, you know, you're a family and you have these the babies and everything's wonderful and great and then those Darn kids grow, and then they become something less than lovable at times. And guess what, parents? So do we. Okay? Things get driven in, and there's a wedge, and grudges destroy and break up their families. Grudges ruin friendships. There are people who are great friends, or at least, you know, they, they got along. Everything was good. Something came in. Something was said. Something was done. I can't forgive that. You just hang on to it, and you hang on to it, and you hang on to it. Because you're thinking, well, they should, they should ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to ask forgiveness till they do. I'll... That's a grudge. It's growing in you. And grudges split churches. Huh. Guess what? I've been in this business long enough. I've seen it over and over and over. God called me to, uh, what, three or four churches in a row that were just, they're in chaos because there was a grudge there that they couldn't get over. And the church was damaged by it. One of the great scandals of the church is that Christians hold grudges against other Christians. And that's probably the worst one because we all know better. We were taught better. And yet we do it. God says, give it up. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say... Like the other thing. He didn't say, oh, forget about it. He said, move on. Give up that grudge. Get it out of the way. It's like pulling that wedge out between you. 
you got to get back together, folks. Grudges are also, by the way, if you don't know that, they're self-destructive. When you were the one who drove that wedge and you just won't want to take it out. There was a great story back in 2001. It's great only that it illustrates something very good. In 2001, um, there was a parcel bomb sent to this man and it killed him. And they investigated and they investigated and they investigated and they could not figure out who would have sent this or why. And then about a week after that, they noticed that in nearby there was a couple who had committed suicide together. And in, of course, the investigation, their paths crossed and they said, you know what happened? This couple, they had a grudge against a man since school days, okay? And they made this parcel bomb and they sent it. Only it got delivered to the wrong man. And they found out. And they were so broken by it that they killed themselves. They couldn't give up that grudge and it ultimately destroyed them. If you keep a grudge, folks, it, it will destroy you. If It might destroy you physically. It might just destroy you emotionally. It'll absolutely destroy you spiritually because it'll make you a bitter person. And there is nothing the world likes better than a bitter Christian. They don't need any more of them. Get rid of it. Let it go. I love this. this I, anytime I'm going to quote directly, I'm going to let you know. From James Alexander... Uh, Tom, he wrote this, and it's great. He said, once armies carried cannonballs with them, afraid that they would meet the enemy somewhere and have nothing to shoot at it. In terms of specific gravity, grudges are about as heavy as cannonballs. But it makes little sense to carry them. Most likely the enemy is unaware of your bitter feelings and surely would be surprised to learn that you've been stalking them with a cannonball in your pocket. So examine your grudges and do what armies do when hostilities are over. Unload the cannonballs, stick them on the courthouse lawn. And then marvel at how much easier it is to get around without them. Let them go. Remember that parable that Jesus told about the servant who was forgiven a huge debt by the king? And then he refused to forgive someone a very small debt. I, want to, I don't want to see blank stairs. Do you remember that one? All right, good, good, good. Thank you. Thank, whether you did or not, just thank you. I can move on now, okay? Jesus said that man's unforgiving spirit landed him in prison. Max Lucado made an interesting point in one of his books. He said, unforgiving servants always end up in prison, prisons of anger and guilt and depression. Do not sentence yourself to prison. Set yourself free. Give up those grudges. According to God's word, the way to give up a grudge is to forgive a grievance. You all can think of what drove that wedge. Give it up. He's not asking you to ignore what the person has done. He's not asking you to pretend that it didn't happen. He's not asking you to act like it's no big deal. He simply says give it up because it's not worth it. What God asks you to do is forgive the grievance, to forgive the person who did the wrong to you. Now, I've only been here <clears throat> a year. I know this applies. I'm absolutely, absolutely, positively certain there are people here who need to give up a grudge and forgive a grievance. 
they have against someone else. Some of us need to forgive the grievance against our parents for what they did or didn't do. By the way, folks, you can say, but it was this. God never said, unless it's a really big thing. He said, give it up. Some of us need to forgive our children for the same reason. Some of us need to forgive our partner for emotional or physical abuse. Some of us need to give up a grudge we have against someone at work because of the way they treated us. Some of us need to give up a grudge that stems from an argument that we had. And some of us probably need to give up grudges we have against other people in this very room. Folks, if, if you get this many people together and you've, been, you've known each other any amount of time, there's a grudge somewhere. Give it up. Last thing, and this is the... Each one got tougher, by the way, yeah. Forgiving, forgetting your failures, put them behind you, yeah, okay. Giving up grudges, that's tough. This is the toughest one of all because it takes a lot of work. Going into this new year, and I'm going to say the least about this, by the way. Restore your relationships. Restore your relationships. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible... Now, the great thing about the word if is, is it gives you a little bit of an out, okay? He's saying, if this is possible, as far as it depends on you, two qualifiers, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace. Now, I know every person in this room is totally at peace with everyone, okay? We're just, just like a bunch of hippies here. We're just, just going with the flow, and we're, everything's wonderful and great. Nothing could go wrong. No, we all know that's not true. Our peace is broken lots of times. But very important phrases here. He says, if it, as far as it depends on you, you are not going to be able to fix everything, but as far as it depends on you, you fix what you can. You take care of you. That's your responsibility. God is challenging you personally Do everything you can to restore your relationships. I want you to do everything you can do about the relationships that have gone wrong in your life. Now, like I said, some of those have gone wrong because of something uh, somebody else did. That's where the forgiveness part comes in, okay? But if it is possible, those great things, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Anybody willing to raise their hand and say, I'm willing to admit that at least one relationship I've had problems in was my fault. Okay, anybody? Okay, good. Yeah, all right. Do something about it. Restore that relationship. If you've had a rift, a problem, even if it wasn't all your fault, then you have a responsibility to do what you can to restore it. And that one thing, like I said, sometimes that one thing that you have to do is a really hard thing like asking for forgiveness. And by the way, I'm sorry, it's not asking for forgiveness. I'm sorry, and asking for forgiveness are two different things. You know, we teach our children to say they're sorry. Teach them to say, sometimes we need to go a little step further. Ask for forgiveness. Restore the relationship. I'm sorry because, come on, we've all been kids. Have you ever said, yeah, I'm sorry? And they know you didn't mean it. You know you didn't mean it. But for some reason, especially when you're kids, you get away with it because mom and dad are just happy you said something, okay? 
got to go beyond that. How many marriages, how many friendships, how many Christian-to-Christian brotherhood relationships that are represented here are not everything they should be or could be simply because you don't want to say, I was wrong, and I'm sorry, and I need your forgiveness. Hard to do, but so, so simple. Now, Keith Drury, he's a writer from the Wesleyan Church, and he wrote a book, and he touches on this idea of restoring relationships, and he uses the great term restitution. Restitution. Now, how many of you, when you think of restitution, think more about money? All right, or, or yeah, hey, I got to make it right. I got to make it good. Gotta, you know, I'm get, get restitution for this. Here's what he says. He says, restitution deals with more than property. It's also going back and making things right for hurtful things I've said or done. It's far easier for me to tell you some story than to tell you of the difficult and painful times I've had to ask my wife, my boys, my boss, friends, and secretary to forgive me. Restitution is asking forgiveness for harsh words, a quick tongue, or a cutting remark. It's asking forgiveness from a brother you hurt, a mother you caused heartache to, or a former spouse which you maligned. Restitution is confessing and seeking forgiveness from an old business partner, neighbor, or roommate. It's admitting my past errors in relationships and humbly seeking forgiveness from the one I've hurt. And it's harder to make personal restitution than property restitution. Boy, ain't that the truth. One of the most significant things you can do to mark the new year is to admit your past errors, I know I, I've got them too, in our relationships and humbly seek forgiveness from those we've hurt. It boils down to this. Will this new year be just a calendar-changing event for you or are you willing to rise up and make some real changes in your life? See, we talk about resolutions all the time. And I, you know, those uh, fitness, uh, whatever it is, the gyms and the fitness centers, and they have all their commercials at the end of the year because they know everybody's going to go into January. You're going to join a gym this year. You're going to do it. You're going to stick to it. You're going to eat right. You're going to exercise. You're going to do all those things. And one finally had a good commercial this year. And I love it. They go through all their spiel. And if you haven't seen that tagline, he says, this year, don't make a resolution. Make a decision. Big difference. Big difference. Resolution is, this is my plan. Decision says, this is what I'm going to do. Make a decision to forget your failures. Make a decision to give up your grudges and make a decision to restore your relationships. That is how we claim our freedom instead of going back to slavery in Egypt. This new year will really be something to celebrate if we make it all about forgiveness. And I want to ask you to have the courage today. Every Sunday we come and we ask, you've got a decision to make? You've got a decision to make. Ha, huh, there's the word, decision. It requires action. To forgive yourself 
forget your past, to forgive others who have hurt you, forgive what grievances you have, and to accept today God's forgiveness given through the blood of His Son, Jesus, for the first time for some of you. Or maybe you need to do it again and get a fresh new start in this year. But we invite you to make a decision.